It's been so long, I can barely remember how it happened. There used to be so many of us. An order. A group to protect the sanctuary. Now, I alone remain. The last sentinel. This week on Scudge Up for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Megan Cross about her two games, Sanctuary and Sentinel. In Sanctuary, build an oasis with your friends and watch as it crumbles under attack. In Sentinel, find out what happens to the last guardian of that order to remain. It's all happening right now on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be here with another content creator who has put out a lot of really cool stuff, and I'm excited to talk about two of their games this week. We've been doing a lot of double games lately, so I'm very excited to be talking about Sanctuary and Sentinel with you today, Megan. So thank you for coming on the show this week. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It's one of those things where just I really like the look. We were talking a little bit before the show about the some of the, the solo games that we've seen in like writing GM or not solo, but GMless games. And you have created a lot of those and a couple that are at least to me that I've noticed and I've seen, I've heard good things about, and I'm really excited to talk to you about sanctuary, which is a brand new one and Sentinel, which is one that's been out for a little bit, but it's coming into a physical release. Yeah. So, so Sentinel, Sentinel has been out. Um, I published it in 2020, I believe. Um, and it's, a solo GMless game uh, about a lone protector of <laughs> a powerful mystical place. Uh, and yeah. they are the only guardian in this place. And they are in the game plays as they are doing their rounds and watching it and guarding over this place while they're also like remembering things that have happened already and in uncovering items that they might not have found and then watching as time moves around them. And the the biggest inspiration for that was uh, the movie Castle in the Sky, the Studio Ghibli oh. movie Castle in the Sky. Um, oh, that's the I, exact vibe that I got from it too. So I am absolutely obsessed with the robot guardians. Yeah. From Castle in the Sky, I have one tattooed on my leg. Like, really? I am obsessed with them. And they were the inspiration. Like, I wrote Sentinel directly inspired by them. Um, and then Sanctuary is brand new. Uh, and it's basically... It- it's a standalone game, but it's also... I wrote it as a companion game to Sentinel, <laughs> which is why I am um running the kickstarter to fund them in print together as a volume because each game can be played separately but they really are companion games so sanctuary is for all intents and purposes a prequel to sentinel so sentinel you're the lone guardian protecting this place sanctuary is everything that led up to you being the lone guardian uh so you can play through Sanctuary, and if you're not done, you can then go right into playing Sentinel with everything you'd already created in Sanctuary and just bring it into Sentinel and play Sentinel straight through, um, which is what I wanted to do in writing Sanctuary. Of course, that means Sanctuary is built, got a built-in sad ending. Uh, <laughs> um, but that tends to be... I don't want to say my trademark as a game designer, but I do tend <laughs> to write sad games. <laughs> Nothing wrong uh, with that. From the moment I finished Sentinel, I wanted to write a companion game, and it has taken me a very long time to figure out what that game wanted to be. And I'm really, really in love with how, how Sanctuary is, has come together to to be what it is it's the biggest game longest game i've ever written okay it's a little more involved than some of the other stuff i've i've designed so i'm i'm really excited to to share it with everyone i'm excited to see it we're going to talk about that all in a little bit 
But first, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of give a rundown on who Megan is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm Megan, and this is the time where I am the kind of person who immediately forgets everything about themselves as soon as they're asked (laughs) to talk about themselves. Um, But I'm Megan. Uh, You can find me pretty much everywhere on the internet at MeganLynnFTW. I'm a New England-based TTRPG streamer and designer. I have a huge passion for um, GM-less narrative-driven games, specifically solo games. I just kind of fell into GM-less games as a player and just fell so in love. And that has been pretty much exclusively what I've designed, um, with the exception of maybe two or three games. Everything that I've done is GM-less because always... There's always a struggle of, I want to play this game, but we can't find a GM, and I never want that to... I was like, I'm going to write games so that nobody has to sit around going, well, we want to play this game, but who's going to GM it? <laughs> yeah, I write GMless games, uh, games that really focus on character relationships, character dynamics, big emotions, uh, and and I'm a big nerd, so I write games <laughs> a lot of... I write a lot of nerdy geeky games which i feel like that feels a little redundant but a lot of mythology based games a lot of folklore based games that kind of that kind of stuff it was that big emotions piece i think that's what i've heard the most looking through reactions people have had to your games you give people the tools to play your games and have a really big emotional impact on those characters that are in those worlds. And I just think that in itself is such an impressive feat to be able to do, especially because a lot of your games aren't that long. You had mentioned that Sanctuary is your biggest game, but how big is Sanctuary currently? So Sanctuary is uh, about 10,000 words. So it's, Oh boy. Yeah, that's a big one. So she's big. She's big. Um, most of my games, by comparison, are generally around, I'd say, like, like three to five thousand mm-hmm. words um, are my kind of like my my standard. Like I write, I write games that are more or less like one shot games. Like yeah. they're written that you could play them in more than one session, but they're written that you can play them. In one session, so they're mm-hmm. they're shorter. Um, Sanctuary is still written to be played in one session, uh, but it's got two very distinct like phases of it, so it could easily be broken up and played into um, mm-hmm. parts. But yeah, so Sanctuary is, def- is the biggest that I did not plan for it to be that big. But as I wrote it, I was just writing until it told me to stop and before i knew it i'm like this is the longest thing i've ever written and it's not done yet (laughs) (laughs) uh and it it's been it has been a labor of love it's taken me the better part of a year to to finish it so it's in theory it's finished um of course i keep plucking away at it and i will continue to pluck away at it until i send it to the printer but uh, it's it's been a long time coming. So one of the things that you mentioned about Sanctuary is that it is a map-making game, and mm-hmm. it uses uh, a couple different ways to help develop that. And compared to others, it's it's still a GM-less game, but it's, it's collaborative. So mm-hmm. what are some of the touchstones outside of, outside of Castle in the Sky that kind of mm-hmm. brought sanctuary to life yeah um one of my biggest inspirations um especially in the world building map making part of sanctuary so sanctuary is played in two main phases and the first is where you're creating the map of your sanctuary and you're determining these details about your guardians and the threat that they're facing and for me pretty much the 
be all end all for me for map making games is Beak Feather and Bone uh, by Possible Worlds Games. Never heard of it. Oh my goodness! Beak Feather and Bone is incredible. It's a it's not so much a map making game. It's like a map labeling game. You have a blank, a beautifully drawn map, um, and basically you go through and each player is a different faction in this city and you just circle a building on the map and say, this is what this building is. And you create details about it and you kind of grow your city that way. And that's what I kind of, what I wanted to do is I didn't like, I'm not artistic at all. I cannot draw. (laughs) I, I stand in awe of people who can make maps and do that kind of thing. Uh, So I wanted to think of a way for people who are artistically challenged, like myself, to create a map of this sanctuary. Because really, in Sentinel, the Lone Guardian is the main character of Sentinel. In Sanctuary, the Sanctuary is the main character. Uh The Guardians are there, the threat is there, but the Sanctuary is the heart of the game and that's what the game is about so i wanted the players to be able to spend time creating this place and walking around in it and knowing what it's like and what's there and how it looks um without starting to draw it and being like this is this doesn't look good (laughs) (laughs) um so so the way that it works uh is you using a deck of cards you deal cards out into your play space in whatever configuration you'd like and that's your map and each card has a corresponding prompt that you answer to determine what that location is within your sanctuary okay so you can put like you just deal five cards into your onto your play area and it's in any configuration that you like, but that kind of builds your map for you. So each card in place on the table is a location. Okay. And then you answer your prompts and you determine like what each space is. And then that's your map. Um, So you can then, so I've done it when I was doing like play tests is basically I would deal the cards down and then I would, answer the prompts on an index card and place them in like on the table. Yeah. So that I have like a, a verbal map. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of the gameplay happens within each of these areas that you've created when you move on to, um, when you move on from like the world building stage into the, what I call the confrontation stage. But, but Beak Feather and Bone is a huge one for me. Um, from the touch point of it's a map that already exists and you are creating locations within it and then the other big touch point for me uh, we were talking about before the recording is the quiet year um, Mm -hmm. by avery alder yeah which is a map drawing game and by god i've made some horrifically uh designed maps playing that game (laughs) (laughs) but it's it it's so Great. Map making games are so wonderful because you get invested in the story. I feel like you get very invested in the story when you spend the time creating the place that it is set in. Yeah. Um, when you when you spend the extra time, then you are creating the world. Mm-hmm. You're more invested emotionally when you're like, this is a place that I have created and now I'm playing out this game within it. And that's being somebody that wants emotional connections in TTRPGs, that's what I wanted Sanctuary to have as well, yeah. is to spend the time creating the Sanctuary so that when you move on to the phase where you and the Guardians are defending it, you are invested in it and wanting to see this place protected. Mm-hmm. I think it's such an interesting idea to have the two phases be this building phase where you have a group of people or yourself creating an area and flushing it out and filling it with life and then following it into the conflict stage. So can you talk a little bit about the conflict stage and 
why you're making people <laughs> kill the things they love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I'm a mean, mean game designer. Um, <laughs> because I lo- I just... I play TTRPGs to feel things. I am always... Yeah. Like, I always bring my big emotions with me when I'm playing games. And if I can make other people have that kind of emotional response to something because of something that I created, then that just is the be all end all. Like, the best compliment I can ever receive on any of my games is like, this made me feel things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so the confrontation stage, once. Once your map is made and once your your guardians and your threat are made, um, the confrontation stage plays pretty similarly to the map making in that you have your cards. It's also um, deck and prompt based and you shuffle your cards and then you flip cards onto locations. So say you have six locations and you're like, all right, one of these locations is um, like a watchtower. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, I want my first, like, this next confrontation is going to take place at the watchtower. You flip the card onto that location, and then there's a prompt that tells you this is what's happening. Um, this is the kind of attack that the threat is launching. And you roll. It's played, um, the game is played with, you have a deck of cards in 1d6. And to start anything over two is a success. So you roll. If you succeed, there's a success prompt. And then there are some questions where the players will fill in a little more details on how the Guardians have succeeded, what they've learned, how this bolsters their confidence. Um, But if you fail, there's a failure prompt and... In Sanctuary, failure does not mean that they have failed to defeat the threat. The Guardians, up until the end, the Guardians will always triumph over the threat. But a failure is they've lost something that will make it harder for consequent confrontations for them to be victorious. So the failure prompt is talking about what they have lost, like how it will affect morale, what this means for them going forward. Um, So you would answer the prompts and you move on to the next card and you just repeat that. Um, But with a failure, what happens is as you fail more, you're losing numbers, you're losing supplies, you're losing morale. So Mm -hmm. each time you fail, the failure... Um, amount goes up so when you start like a one or a two is a failure once you fail now a one two or a three is a failure if you fail again a one two three or four is a failure Um, and you go until you can't roll anything that succeeds which then brings you into the the final stand between the guardians and the threat so the guardians are always going to win Um, it becomes more of an at what cost type of thing, but each confrontation takes place within the sanctuary that you've built in the first half of the game. So, like I said, with getting that emotional connection, because it's a place that you've walked around in and a place that you've created, once you spend all of this time creating their map and fleshing out this handful of locations, when you set a confrontation there, you know what's at stake. You know what's there to be lost, because you spent so much time creating what is there. Um, and that's was really my main intention with with setting the game up in that in that manner. It's like designing it with a health pool that <laughs> the mm. table shares. It, that's how it feels to me when you're describing it. It's kind yeah. of um, you know when the game ends. It's just how mm-hmm. that's exactly yeah. Um, and I'm pretty upfront about that in the game text. Is that like <laughs> this this game is going to end like. You know how it ends because you know how Sentinel begins. Like, this sanctuary will end with only one person surviving this final confrontation. That's how, that is how it's going to end because sanctuary begins 
with one guardian left in this place. Uh Um, So I try to be up front with it, be like, hey, you're going to play this game and you're going to have a good time, but just know that it's going to get a little rough. (laughs) Yeah, this this is a game designed (laughs) where you lose at the end. And there's nothing wrong with that because Mm -hmm. I think that this is more so about telling a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it also drives home that at least as far as sanctuary goes, like, like I said before, the sanctuary is the main character. The sanctuary surviving is what matters. The guardians and the threat could be are like, they'll come and go, but like the sanctuary is the main character and the sanctuary survives no matter what. Um, And that, and that's really the intention with this is that the sanctuary is the focus of everything mm-hmm. in that game. I think that's such an interesting twist, especially when you pair it with with Sentinel, mm. which we're gonna we're gonna get into in just a second. But I have a confession, Megan. <laughs> I was super excited for this because in my hands right now, you can't see it because we don't have cameras on. I have a notebook of 60 pages where I have played through Sentinel three times. Yeah, I am am a massive fan of your work. It has been very hard to keep this up. But (laughs) yeah, since uh, roughly August, I have played Sentinel basically every single day. So <laughs> let's let's pull now back. I'm glad the we don't have on because I'm like gonna cry and I don't want you to see me getting all emote. <laughs> so you were talking about the quiet year being the game that kind of got you into GM list games and that kind of stuff. Sentinel got me into both GM list games and solo games. I had played others, but Sentinel is by far my favorite solo game I have played. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely adore this game so much. I got it. I got it outside of a bundle. Like, that's that's what it was. I was interested in it, and I randomly chose it. And I had been meaning to get in contact with you to come onto the show since that time. <laughs> and it just hasn't come up. So when you reached out to me, I was very, very excited. <laughs> um, so let's get into Sentinel and kind of tell people how this game works. Because, like I said, I, I gushed about this game in Discords. Listeners of the show... I have definitely talked about Sentinel on this show before somewhere. Megan, I'm sorry. I can't point you to specific episodes. It comes up from time <laughs> to time. But I love this game. So let's let's talk about it a little bit. First thing I want to know is, are there going to be any real changes between the current launch of Sentinel that you have and the physical copy coming out with Sanctuary? Um, no. The only change that is going to be happening with Sentinel is the layout. Um, mm. I... My absolutely incredibly talented friend Mac is going to be doing the layout for okay. for both of these games. Um, that and you can see kind of if you go and check out the pre-launch page, um, you can see kind of the aesthetic we're going in. Um, yeah, I'm a really huge. Pretty. I have a degree in medieval literature. I love medieval <laughs> literature, and she kind of out of the blue one day sent me a like a proof of concept spread for two okay. pages of sanctuary. She was like, I love your game. I just couldn't get this out of my head and I wanted to show you because she's a graphic designer, a layout artist. Like that's okay. what she does. So she was like, I just wanted to show you this because I couldn't get out of my brain. And the second I saw it, I'm like, I need you to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's gonna be a very heavily like medieval manuscript inspired aesthetic um that's which right. i'm so excited about um so that is the only thing that's changing with sentinel sentinel is staying otherwise unchanged um sentinel is kind of like like the bonus um <laughs> the, the the bonus uh to it because i knew I knew from, I wouldn't say early on, but I think over the summer when I really started like rolling with getting Sanctuary written, like I knew that I, it was a game that I'm like, I want to do this big. I want to do it right. I want to want, like, I don't want to just put it on 
itch.io with a layout that I've come up with because yeah. I've gotten better with my layouts, but I'm still like, I'm not a layout artist. I, oh. I write the games, <laughs> um, but I'm like, I want to do, like, I think I want to do this for zine month, for zine quest, for zine month. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And then I realize I'm like, I can't do a zine of sanctuary without Sentinel being a part of it. Yeah. Um. So, so Sentinel is, in essence, kind of being tacked in there, but it's because the two games, the two games can be played separately. They are standalone games, but they also go together. So, mm-hmm. like they they need it to be together. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one of the things that you mentioned at the very beginning was that the the game's original inspiration for Sentinel was Castle in the Sky, mm-hmm. and I I found it because I was looking for something that reminded me of Castle in the Sky because I had just <laughs> watched it for like the first time in like 12 years. I was like, I wonder if there's anything out there. And this is what I found. And it catches it so well. Like that, that feeling of isolation and mm-hmm. in a place that used to be something that was so glorious and now it's just mm-hmm. a shell. Yeah. And the way that that compounds off the back of sanctuary and what you've provided in Sentinel is just amazing. So let's talk about the beginning of this game. If you weren't playing sanctuary, how does the game start up if you haven't played sanctuary? Because I think a lot of people who are curious about this might go out and pick up one before the other. Yeah. And I definitely, recommend that um like i said you can obviously you can play sentinel without sanctuary because sentinel has been out for for two years um but the way that sentinel starts on its own is you will start the game just answering a couple basic questions about both your guardian and the sanctuary and as someone i write because I write jamless games, it's a lot of prompt-driven games. Mm-hmm. And what I always try to do is I try to write prompts in a way that is enough to get the wheels turning, but leaving enough room knowing that while you play, more details are going to come out. So yeah. you start very loosely, like, what do you look like? What are your abilities? how are you the only one here? That kind of thing. And then with the sanctuary, it's like, what does it look like? Where is it? Why does it need to be protected? And that's very basic bare bones descriptors. Mm -hmm. Um, Just enough to try to like get your wheels turning as you move into gameplay proper. Um, And if you were to play sanctuary first, you don't necessarily need to do any of that. Because you've played a game where you've done all of that. Um, But you don't need that level of detail established at the beginning of Sentinel. A lot of how Sentinel works is you figuring stuff out as you play through the game and establishing Mm -hmm. more details as you play through the game. It's another game that uses a deck and dice again. So set up for it super simple you have your standard 52 card deck and then the reason why my first sentinel game was so long was i misread where to place the joker i put it (laughs) two-thirds of the way down instead of one-third of the way up and so it was a lot of cards and i was like really digging it though so hey if you get on a roll and that's the other cool thing about sentinel is like yes they're it is written into it, like, you put the Joker in a certain spot when you get the Joker, the game is over. But you can play it as short or as long as you want. Like, mm-hmm. play play it until you're done. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, like, the character that I made in Sentinel and, like, the amount of time I spent with him. I will be playing that character again someday. I'm currently stuck in GML. I'll play that character someday. If it's the last thing I do as a tabletop role-playing game player, like 100%. I, I loved it. I love the way that you build things here. 
but I also love how you have broken up the the cards into their different suits. So can you talk about each suit and what they do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in Sanctuary, you separate all of the suits um, and play it that way. But in Sentinel, the whole deck is shuffled together and you flip cards one at a time and each suit represents something. Um, and each suit comes together, like they all come together to really get a full picture of your guardian of their life, what is happening currently. Um, so hearts um, are memories. So if you, you draw a heart, then you roll a die. And my other intention with Sentinel is I'm like, I want to use a full set of dice, but not the D20 because the D20 gets enough attention as it is. It's big. Sentinel uses all the dice, but a D20. <laughs> um, so when you get a heart, you are recalling a memory. You roll a die. There's a list of prompts. Um, whatever you roll, you have that prompt from the list. And then there's a series of questions to answer in relation to the prompt um, that you've read. And this um, will play very interestingly if you do play it in conjunction with Sanctuary, having played a lot of this. But this can add an even further depth. Because um, this is much more personal, whereas Sanctuary is very higher level in general. Like, you don't deal with individual guardians. It's the guardians as a collective or the threat as a collective, whereas Sentinel is much more personal. Yeah. So it will it could be interesting to, coming from Sanctuary into Sentinel being able to apply a more personal touch to some of the things that you have established in a more broad general sense in Sanctuary. Uh, so that's hearts. Um, diamonds are discovered items within the Sanctuary. Uh, there is, once again, it's you roll on a list of prompts. It tells, it gives you a prompt and asks you questions about it. And they are kind of all over the place um as far as the type of item you can find like just looking at the list like you could find a weapon you can find a locked box you can find a key that doesn't go to anything it it's not all um offensive like like the sentinel is a guardian they're a fighter but it, I didn't want to make it a game that just focused on like a fighting and a confrontation. I wanted it mm -hmm. to be a little more introspective and more personal. And the sanctuary is not a place that's meant like fights were brought to the sanctuary. Um, mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like a place. Um, I mean, unless you create a sanctuary that does that, your sanctuary can be whatever you want it to be. Um, but as far as finding these items that the guardian finds, like they'll find something that's a warning, something that's a piece of something bigger, like just vague prompts that you can then kind of uh, spin into whatever aesthetic or story you're trying to tell with your sanctuary and its history and story. <laughs> I think my favorite prompt from that list was something you thought lost. I got that one more than once. I think that is one of my favorite prompts, just in general. It's like, what was it? Why was mm. losing it painful for you? What does it mean for you now that you found it again? Because, like I said, you have this innate way of building emotion into these, so having to relate that from a character perspective was so interesting. I, I just loved it. Like, and the, the last two really are, are kind of kickers when it comes to emotions. Really, mm -hmm. <laughs> The spades and the clubs are, are definitely ones that bring some big emotions with them. Yeah. Um, so the spades are confrontation. Um, Cause there is still a threat looming that is threatening the sanctuary. Um, whether or not this is the threat that the Guardians face in the game Sanctuary or a new threat that has risen from the ashes of the old threat is completely up to you when you're playing it. Um, it can be whatever you want. Okay. And um, it is, you roll a d8. 
Um, and depending on what you roll is how successful you are at defeating the threat. And there are, um, once again, loose guiding prompts. Um, so like if you roll an eight, you describe how you're able to defeat the threat and stop it from threatening the sanctuary again. Um, and then the lower ones, like how can you defeat the threat, but you still know they're going to come back or how did you defeat? Um, how were you able to drive them out just barely? And what did they damage in the process? Um, once again, playing with the idea of like, yes, the guardian is going to be successful, but there's a cost that comes with it. If, the dice don't agree with you. Um, like you're always going to win, but you're going to lose something in the process if things don't go super well. Yeah, it's more you win a battle temporarily. It's kind of how it feels. There's, exactly. There's something that comes and attacks, and then they'll pr- they may be back. They may come back bigger. You may have stopped that one, but then there's more threats mm-hmm. waiting. Yeah. Um, And then last is clubs. And clubs is by far the most open, um, the simplest of the suits. But I feel like it's the most impactful. Um, And clubs is time is passing. And you roll a die and the number that you roll on the die is how many years have passed since the last card you drew in this card. And it's, and it's reflective on what has been lost and gained in this time, what has changed, what has stayed the same, what have you learned. And it's, and it's meant to be very reflective um, as this guardian is alone in the sanctuary and time is just passing around them and they are just standing there watch and doing what it is they're meant to do. Um as the rest of the world kind of moves on. It's one of those sad, serene kind of ones. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing bad's happening. So, like, that's a positive. But at the same mm-hmm. time, your guardian's just waiting. They're, the sentinel's just sitting there and being pa- – not passive, but there there's nothing for them at that moment. It's, yeah. It's a fun – it's really fun. To get that one. I almost always rolled four when I was rolling this one. Oh. So I was always like, ah. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it was still nice to reflect on what could be changing and establish what might be damaged in the future. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, um, and then the end game, the end game mechanic for both Sanctuary and Sentinel is the same. Um, you roll a die and depending on the value roll determines the outcome um of of what happens and there's there's three different outcomes um what i've called in sanctuary it's um bad less bad and a little less bad <laughs> <laughs> um in in sanctuary it or in sentinel it's um bad okay and good yeah <laughs> I guess I would call it, um, but once again, it's it's meant to be more more reflective and thinking back on the time spent in the sanctuary and what that means for your guardian, and just re- reflecting on on their life and what it means now that now that their time as a guardian is ending. It is such it's almost cinematic these endings because they honestly they could have all been done with like they, they've all been done in in different forms of media like one for instance could be the sanctuary falling or somebody else coming to replace you or the sentinel winning like those mm-hmm. are all possible options so getting to describe what happens to you especially on a dice roll and just knowing, like, well, that's that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it really resonated with me, these specific prompts. And I, I loved it. Absolutely adored it. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I'm not, as a game designer and as a player, I'm never one to 
to back away from a sad ending because uh, you can get so much from something that may seem sad at front first and it may be sad at second and at the end of the day it may still be sad but like you can get so much out of what some people would call a bad ending yeah um and i and i don't i didn't want to shy away from that with especially not with sanctuary because sanctuary ends the way that it ends no matter what um but Mm -hmm. in sentinel too there's a chance for that sadness that even if it's not a defeat the guardian's time as the guardian is is over yeah the roll of the dice determines how that comes to be but the long and short is that their time is done so it's it's going to be at least on some level emotional and sad uh-huh anyway because you've spent so much time with this character protecting this place and then i think of it almost too as kind of like a catharsis that it's just like the game is ending and you can kind of let them go like they get to go rest and not be a guardian anymore and then you get to kind of get up and walk away and leave leave what you want to behind and take what you want with you I think that might be one of the things that also helps this game as a solo journaling game, because I've played a couple now and some of them, when you get to that end, they just don't wrap nicely. Mm-hmm. And I think that these prompts are a good way to have it. Your story's done up with a neat little bow, no matter what the three results are. It's like, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very final in a very positive way. Yeah. And that I wanted it to feel complete. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted and even with sanctuary existing now like I like I wanted to be able to for Sentinel to feel like a complete story and I wanted Sanctuary to feel like a complete story even if you play them on their own. So like it does have that finality for lack of a better word like like you know when the game is over like there is a very distinct end game it's this part of this game is done yeah um which i like as somebody who who writes mainly games that are meant to be played in one sitting i like being able to be like and it's done and now Mm -hmm. you can walk away if you want to walk away or you can sit with it for a little bit, but either way, like your job is done. And now you just I think there's to... something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something sweet to that. It's, it's great. Like I, I cannot write enough praise for Sentinel. I mean, you got me hooked with it. So. <laughs> I, I appreciate that so much. Sentinel. I, I say that I'm a very selfish game designer. I just design games that I want to play. <laughs> And Sentinel, Sentinel was really just written out of the love that a girl has for a robot gardener in a mythical floating castle. And I wrote Sentinel not expecting much from it. Like, I love it. And I was happy with it. And it was everything I wanted it to be. And then I'd say out of everything I've written, Sentinel is the game that people will reach out to me and talk about. And it makes me so happy that this game that I thought was like this niche little thing that I wrote about a robot that I love and people are telling these incredible stories of their own sanctuaries and their own guardians. And it means so much to me. that something that I wrote very personally as some like as a game that just I wanted to exist, um, and I guess other it's a game other people wanted to exist too, and it and it makes me so happy uh, that people are getting to tell stories with it because that's why I play games, that's why I write games is I just want to tell stories with people, and I want people to to tell stories with 
with the games that I write. And Sentinel is very, very special. Yeah. Um, to me and to other people, which which feels great. And I hope that the reaction people get from Sentinel is they have that playing sanctuary as well. <laughs> I know I'll definitely be picking up sanctuary at some point. Which brings us to the next little bit here. If everything goes to plan, this is going to be launching on Kickstarter February 1st, running to March 2nd. So listeners, if everything's okay and we've got this all worked out, that's tomorrow. What are some of the things that you're most nervous about and excited about with the launch of your Kickstarter? Yeah, so this is my second crowdfunding campaign. Um, So I'm pretty nervous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think my, the biggest thing for me is that it's, it's a bit of a hefty goal um, funding wise, because I want to be able to pay Mac, my layout artist and Nat, my editor, what I want to pay them. Um, So the, bulk of the funding goal is going to pay them um for their incredible work on the games so knowing that it's it's a higher price point um funding wise i don't think it's unachievable by any means uh we've seen indie games fund to tremendous success um oh my god and oh gods of appalachia one Oh, oh, Gods mind. of Appalachia, um, Yaziba's Bed and Breakfast, yep. um, Inscrutable Cities. There, um, there have been there have been so many indie games that we're seeing have the success, and I know. So I know it's not impossible. It's just a little daunting. <laughs> yeah. um, but like I had said, like I knew this was something that I wanted to do right. I wanted. To, and I want to be able to pay my team the rate that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, this is my second one. So I'm I'm familiar with the printing and shipping aspect of it. That's the easy, that's the easy part. Um, yeah. So if, if all goes according to plan um, and we fund, then we'll be, um, the game text is done as of, right now it'll go to my editor right after the campaign they'll go through it um then it'll go to the layout artist and then it'll go to the printer and should in theory if everything goes according to plan be able to be in print and in post by the summer um which would be super cool and we also have a bone um i have one stretch goal right now that I'm super excited about that I it's it's a stretch um but my main stretch goal right now is if we reach a certain amount over our goal my incredibly talented friend Aaron Catano Saez is going to record an audio book version um of both games oh, that'd be which bad. would be so cool um so that's that's our our one stretch goal and it is a stretch mm-hmm. but if we can make it happen that would be fantastic because i think something that as a game designer i do is i want my games to be as accessible as possible and yeah. being able to fund an audio version would just be so cool um to mm-hmm. make it even more accessible to people who may not um have the access to um otherwise read the game text so but Mm. so yep we are starting in theory tomorrow february 1st on (laughs) kickstarter um and it'll run for 30 days um as part of zine quest or zine month and and hopefully we can get this thing funded i'm i it is equal parts exciting and terrifying um but this is a game these are two games that i have poured my heart into 
And I am so eager to be able to share them with people. Um, so, so I'm hoping that, that everything works out. That's really the main reason. Um, after doing my first crowdfunding campaign, it went well, but then I'm like, I, do I want to do this again? Do I want to put myself through this again? And I didn't think I did. And then once I finished set, and then as soon as I finished sanctuary, I was like, this is the only way that I can, I have to at least try. Um, Cause this is a game that deserves to be in print and deserves to be beautifully laid out by somebody who has real layout skills. <laughs> um, and I'm just, really excited about it um and i hope other people are too well i can tell you for a fact that i am megan we've been running for about 50 minutes now so it's almost time for us to really start wrapping up but i got two more questions for you just to end out the show here okay so one of the questions that's asked on every single episode of schedule for launch is what advice can you give to people who may want to start their own projects, but they're not really sure where to begin? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's a very frequent answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I'm going to just answer and then kind of backtrack so it doesn't seem just so flippant. And the biggest advice I give it, just do it. <laughs> like, I never like in a million years would have thought that I'd be where I am as a game designer, even that I'd be able to call my, like that I'd feel comfortable being like, I am a game designer. Mm -hmm. And, and all it took was knowing that there was something that I wanted to create that didn't exist. And the only way it was going to exist is if I did it. Mm -hmm. And once that ball started rolling, it was kind of all breaks off. I've only been designing and publishing games for, it'll be three years in June. And before that, I had no experience. I played a ton of TTRPGs. I streamed a ton of TTRPGs, but I never thought that I would be able to create something completely unique in mind that I birthed into existence. And it's just a matter of going out and doing it. And then I would also say as kind of a second part of that is lean on those around you that have done it. Mm -hmm. I am so fortunate to have had when I was first starting doing this and, and now especially I've had people around me encouraging me and giving advice and guidance on how how to navigate things. Um, like especially like from me where I come from is I'm a writer, I'm a designer, that's what I do. But when it comes to like graphic design and layout and then marketing and self-promotion all of that stuff is so foreign that when you can find people who are good at those things and are willing to help you and guide you and give you advice like people with the experience doing what you want to do is priceless yeah so when you find those people just hang on to them and listen and just make sure that they know how grateful you are for your help and just be willing to listen knowing that they're coming from a place of that they've been there and that they want to help you succeed and lift you up and guide you um, because I have god i'm like 70 percent self-doubt at all times and having people in my corner who i respect so much as 
friends and as creators and as people saying like, I know you can do this means the world and having somebody that that'll be like, hey, if you want me to take a look at this, let me know. Or, hey, if you want advice on how to do X, Y, Z, let me know. Like, follow through when people offer you help. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'll reach out. Like, do it. <laughs> because if they're offering, like, take take that advice and you're only going to grow and be a better creator for it. I think that's great advice. We've definitely heard just do it a lot on this show. <laughs> so I – I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. If it's if so many people are saying it, it's gotta hold some water to it. So. Yeah, and, it, and it's gonna be scary, and you're not gonna know what you're doing. But you just you just gotta go. You'll eventually figure it out. <laughs> That's amazing. I I love it. It's so good. Megan, where can people find out more about you and the rest of your work? Yeah, so you can find me. I am mostly on Twitter, despite its seemingly inevitable collapse every other day. Oh, but you can but you can find me on Twitter at MeganLynFTW. You can also find me on Twitter at Sirens Song Games. That is my trying to be less ignored than it currently is game design account where I will <laughs> I do I've been doing like little threads breaking down some of my games. Um and posting works in progress and things like that. So you can follow me there for specifically game design stuff. Um, my main account, MeganLynFTW, I tweet about everything and also game design stuff. Um, so that's the main place you can find me. You can find any of my games at MeganLynFTW.itch.io. And you can find physical copies of my Firebrands Hack One Particular Harbor on Indie Press Revolution if you wanted to get your mitts on a physical copy of my game, um, which is pretty cool. It's got really it pretty, pretty art cool. in it that I did not do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in that, yeah, that's about the shake of it, I think. Give me one second, because I know I have something else that I'm forgetting. Oh, yes. Um, and I am... Pending the inevitable collapse of Twitter, which I'm hoping doesn't happen, but if it does, and you want to stay up to date on my stuff, if you go to tinyletter.com slash sirensonggames, you can sign up for my newsletter, which is basically, I will be updating when new games are published, when crowdfunding campaigns are launched, sneak peeks at works in progress. Um, so if you want a little bit of what I'm doing right in your inbox, you can subscribe to my newsletter as always audience those links are going to be down in the description below please go out there support sanctuary and sentinel tomorrow pick up sentinel already because like i said it is easily one of my favorite games ever i adore it it's so good so once again that kickstarter goes live tomorrow megan thank you so much for joining me on the show this week oh thank you so much for having me and for your kind words about Sentinel, I will dine on that for a long time to come. It's been absolutely lovely getting to talk to you, talk to you about about Sanctuary and Sentinel. It's been great to talk to you too. I I'm so excited for these to come out and see what they're all about. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Megan and Sanctuary and Sentinel, they're scheduled to launch really soon, tomorrow on Kickstarter. Go support them. That's all from us this week, though. Take care of yourselves. Have a good week. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
I'm looking for some new ways to add some new life to the podcast. So if you have any suggestions at all, please let me know because I love hearing them. If you like the show and you want to hear more, though, please spread the word because I can't afford to pay people to advertise it for me. That's all for me, though. Take care of yourselves. and I hope to see you somewhere out there. Bye.